would care to open to the book of Jeremiah. We're going to begin reading the first chapter and the 11th verse. Jeremiah 1, verse 11. Jeremiah 1, verse 11. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Jeremiah, what seest thou? And I said, I see a rod of an almond tree. Then said the Lord unto me, Thou hast well seen, for I will hasten my word to perform it. And the word of the Lord came unto me the second time, saying, What seest thou? And I said, I see a seething pot, and the face thereof is towards the north. This passage of scripture is very interesting. I've read it many, many times, but I got a new little unction on it. I'm going to deliver it to you in the will of God today. I'm either going to title this an almond tree or what do you see? Would you ask the Lord to help us today? Savior, we ask that your word would come alive to us today and help us as we understand your word and are directed by your word. We ask you to be with us today and have help everyone guide us and give us convictions in our hearts, we pray. And everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. It is often supposed that the almond tree and the boiling cauldron were seen by the prophet in a vision. It's very possible that it was not just a vision, but that he had actually seen the almond tree to which Jeremiah had been directed his attention towards by the word of the Lord. An almond tree, we live in the valley where there are many, many orchards, and you'll notice that the almond tree is the first to bud. If you go by almond trees today, in January, you will see that the very beginning buds are starting to come out quicker than most other trees. So it's interesting that the Lord spoke to Jeremiah and said, I want you to look and tell me what you see. And he said, I see a rod of an almond tree. So when he began to look at it, and then the Lord told him, he said, I will hasten my word to perform the prophecies that you have prophesied. So he gave the almond tree budding as a, a sign that, that other things were coming. And of course, the seething pot was another one that speaks to the judgment of God. So he saw both of these. First of all, he was able to see that there was a, an awakening of, of springtime and the, the time of uh, winter is now being gone and nature in its course of, of summer and winter, or summer, fall and winter and spring. We're going through that winter. We don't have bad winters here, but we were preaching in Palmdale just a week or so ago after that big snow and Palmdale out in the desert. Uh, it had snow on the desert floor and all the mountains around it. I think that they had received six inches of snow in the city of Palmdale and everything was white and beautiful around it from the snow because winter is still upon us. <clears throat> but there's coming an, a, a time when winter will, will go his way. Old man winter will move out of the way and we'll see spring coming upon us. And so the budding of the almond tree was probably pretty common in, in Israel. And it was an awakening time that the Lord spoke to Jeremiah. And I want you to know that uh, 
that the word of the Lord is going to be an awakening to Israel, and the seething pot is going to be a form of judgment, the boiling things of our world. <clears throat> Before I get too far so you know where I'm going with this, we, uh, we as a church need to be understanding the almond tree budding and what it really means. It's an awakening time. Winter is past, and, and there's springtime coming, so there's an awakening. But there's also the judgment of God. <clears throat> and I don't want to dwell on the judgment of God because our world, the Bible said, the nation that forgets God will be turned into hell. The Bible says that. And so most worlds, uh, most nations in our world have forsaken many principles of godliness and truth. And our country, of course, was founded on Christian principles. And many of those Christian principles are eroding today and being eroded by politicians uh, that think they are God or that they know more about things. I, it was interesting because I do believe in being a conservationist and taking care of our earth, but I'm not an ecologist to the place of thinking that we are going to destroy this world. God is the one that's going to destroy this world, and uh, there may be some things coming. But what's interesting is they, they were taking the signs down in Alaska this last week that said the glaciers will be gone by 2020. Well, the glaciers are still there. See, they don't know what God knows. God knows how to replenish. And he's done that in the earth many times. In fact, if you go to Yosemite, this is what's interesting about global warming. You know, you know they, they changed global warming because hell from beneath has moved to meet the at that coming. They must have read that scripture that's going to get warmer and warmer. So they had to get rid of global warming. Now they just call it climate change because the Bible even says the winter and fall and summer and the seasons will be here till, till he comes back. So, so they can't get away from the scriptures no matter what they do. But they, you go to Yosemite and they say millions and millions of years ago this was full of ice and the glaciers melted and car carved these canyons. Well, there was no vehicles back then. There was no hardly very many people back in those days and all those glaciers carved so many different canyons around our world. And I'm only saying that to say this to you. Don't let the politician frighten you that the world's going to end in 12 years. I want to frighten them, tell them it could end today. Jesus could come back today. So we're not, we're not going to listen to the politicians that frighten you. Say, well, we, well, it's good 11 years now. I think the prophecy was made last year, so it's 11 years. They're saying the world's going to come to an end, be destroyed, and we're the, we're the culprits that's destroying it. And I do believe in taking care of your things, and you don't throw things in the, in the streets, and you take care of your yard, and, and you need to recycle things. I, I'm just being honest with you. There are some good things that come from this. Our landfills are full. And, and all that. You, you need to take care of everything that you can take care of, but don't be frightened by the world. That's what Paul said. He said, don't, don't be so soon shaken, whether it's by word from us or anywhere else. Don't worry about it. God will take care of it, but we need to do our part. I think if you're close to a store, it wouldn't hurt to walk. Don't you have to drive a car. I'm just, I'm just telling you, you, you can do some things. Don't, don't try to be scared about what's going to happen because Jesus could come today and end it all. So I'm not worried about 12 years, but I do want to take care of things. And I tell them when they offer a straw in a restaurant, you know, I tell them, well, I'm a true ecologist. I don't want anything plastic. Why, 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 why take a straw and then a plastic lid and a plastic cup bigger than the straw? You know, some of this just doesn't make sense. 
and I'm not trying to be political, I'm just trying to be honest with you, that uh, we as a church need to be sensitive and be able to understand that we see things before the world sees it. We see the budding of the almond tree, the first tree that starts uh, telling you that winter is over, there's an awakening. That's part of this scripture. So as I preach today, try to understand where we're going because I'm going to get away from nature. But although Jesus used the parable of trees and the parable of sowing and, and farming, he used those parables so often, and we need to look at it because there's important things in, in the harvest and, and what is happening. I, uh, I watched as the, the, the tractors plowed fields under that had not been harvested yet, and I looked at that and I thought, you know, there's some things that's outrunning the others. There's a scripture in the book of Amos that said the plowman will overtake the reapers, and that really let me know that the world and its judgment of themselves and the failure of doing what's right, God's reaping is going to be able to come, but the, the reaping's not going to end till the plowman comes and destroys a lot of the crops. There's going to be a lot of people left in this world when Jesus Christ comes back. The sad thing is uh, they need to know who Jesus is before the end of the world, and we need to do our part today. You need to take church cards and leave it everywhere you go. I ran out in the truck myself, and the other day I had to ask somebody else. They looked in their wallet. We need to keep them in our vehicles and keep them in our wallet. And everybody needs to know we are really awakening a world. We're the only ones left. The church of Jesus Christ is the only church left, the only peoples left in the world that really believe in the coming of Jesus Christ. They kind of mock it. They may be religious in some ways, but they kind of mock religion and mock the Bible and make fun of. One guy said the other day, he said, I'm an atheist. If you could prove to me that there's a God, I may believe in a God. Well, look at everything that you see. Even the trees raise their limbs to worship God. Crops come from a seed. And in that seed, in that seed is every bit of that tree. Tell me you evolved. Telling me you evolved was be kind of like a whirlwind hitting a junkyard in a 747 taking off out of the track. It just doesn't happen that way. God created us. We need to be emphatic on what we believe. Stand for what we believe. In a seed, seed time and harvest will be till the end time. He said, a seed contains all that that tree needs. One seed gives all the growth. You pick a little water with it, you cultivate it, and it grows. Same way with human life. There is seed in the womb of a mother. And when that seed meets the womb or the egg in the mother... The seed brings forth everything that's in that child. The Bible said that the Lord had not left us a seed. If he had not left us a seed. He gave to us something that will bring everything about in our life if we will let him. He gave to us something on the inside of us that should grow into something maturing in God. We should never stagnate in our experience with God. We should never walk alone. We should always walk with Jesus. And the budding of the, of, the, of the almond tree is to let us know that there is a sign of awakening coming. The sight of the tree is more than a coincidence in the Bible. When he said, what do you see? He said, I see the rod of an almond tree. And as I was studying and looking further into this, it was probably an almond tree 
that Moses had as his rod. It very possibly was even a staff and a rod that David used from an almond tree. And what was interesting is uh, when you study this, uh, uh, Moses told Israel, he said, I want you to bring a rod from each one of your tribes. And they brought a a rod from each tribe, a man from every tribe. And he said, I'm going to tell you who's going to be the next leader of Israel by the rod that buds. And so we have whose rod? Aaron's rod that budded, meaning there's a new awakening. And of course, when Joshua took over, they crossed over into the promised land and they conquered and they took over where God had promised them in the promised land. I can just say to you today, you need to start observing what is budding in our world, the awakening, the beginning of things that's about to happen in our world and understand that we as a ministry should be attuned to the things that's happening in our world so we can warn and preach to a congregation. If the Lord spoke to Jeremiah and said, what do you see? I believe the Lord is speaking to the ministry of our world today and saying, what do you see? When you read the third chapter and the 33rd chapter of the book of Ezekiel, he speaks about a watchman. And a watchman on a wall is supposed to see the future, see out there and see what's coming. That's why we preach against some things that the world has developed. That's why we preach against Hollywood and its movies. It, it, it's producing now transgender stuff. Hallelujah. I'm not fat. I'm just transslender. I'm a secondhand vegan. anybody else a secondhand vegan? Yeah. The cow eats the grass and I eat the cow. What's wrong with that? You can say I'm a secondhand vegan. They eat the grass, I eat the cow. Had a little steak last night. I didn't taste the grass, but I sure tasted what the grass produced. Same way it is in living for God. We taste the Lord and it is good. Hallelujah. There's so much in living for God. So springtime is letting you know that the hardness of winter is coming to an end. And when he said, I want you to look and see what you see, he saw that almond tree. And that almond tree is the first tree to start budding. And that gives us an insight what we as a church should see. We should see the things that are coming upon the world and what we're facing as apostolic Christians uh, and citizens of this great country that we all love and hold so dear. We honor the flag and we honor our constitution and we honor our country and we want everybody that does the same thing and loves the same country, we want them to come to America. We want to keep America what it is because America is what's sending missionaries to the world. And let me tell you, a hundred years ago, there were... There were women that heeded the call to go to Africa. There were women that were called and they preached in some cities. One lady said many men came to her after she was pastoring a church for a while and said they, had, they felt the call to go to that city, but uh, they, they just said, it's too hard of a city, I'm not going to go. So a lady said, I'll go, and she went. Some of our missionaries to Africa sowed some seeds in Africa. 
They saw down the road that there was a revival in Africa. And I report to you today that there are thousands today that are receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost in Africa today. They are baptizing Trinitarian pastors by the hundreds right now. Some of our pastors are over there teaching even as we speak because there's a harvest going on in Africa like there was at the turn of this last century in America. I hope to God, and this is why I'm kind of teaching today, that we can view down the road and see the world is changing. Our world is changing. Our America is changing. And we should see the signs of the budding of the almond tree and recognize that there is, of course, the seething pot. Judgment is coming to our world. But there is also an awakening that should come to us to understand that we're in the last days. They don't frighten me when they talk about the world ending because we've believed it ever since it's been preached to us. The world is going to end. But it's not going to end because man says it's going to end. And it's going to end when Jesus Christ comes back and steps one foot on the Mount of Olives and the other in the sea and splits the world wide open. And there is an earthquake that splits this world, a great earthquake, the Bible said. And hell from beneath belches itself out. And there are demons that come out of hell that cause all kinds of conflict. But I want to tell you, church, we are a church that's looking at the budding of the alm tree. We're seeing the awakening of a church. And I'm telling you, church, we need to arise to the occasion today and let the world know that we still believe the Bible and we still believe in Jesus and we still believe in prayer and we still believe in separation from the world and we're not going to let Hollywood just dictate to us uh, what we ought to be or what we ought to accept. Uh, we're going to look to the Word of God uh, and let the Word of God dictate to us who we are. And let me just stop for a moment and let you know you don't have to be what your temptation is. Don't let that define you. Be defined by your victories. Be defined by your overcoming power. Be defined by Jesus Christ in your life. Be defined by the will of God in your life. Be defined by the fact that you are a child of God and you recognize we're coming to the end of the world and the end of all things. But we're going to stand for truth. We're going to stand for righteousness. And somewhere the ministry is going to start saying it even more than ever before. We are at the end of the world. I'm telling you, doubt just came through here. A spirit of doubt just came through here. I don't know if you felt it, but you sure expressed it because you should have been on your feet when I said, Jesus is coming back. The apostles recognized it 2,000 years ago that he was coming back. We need to recognize it today that Jesus Christ is coming back. I don't care what the world says. I don't care what politicians say. I don't even care what the Supreme Court says about it. I'm telling you, Jesus is coming back back to this earth and he's going to take the people with him well hallelujah so he gave to us the parable of the ground and he said I want you to go look at the fields and, and he said they cast their seeds and some fell on the wayside some fell on stony ground and some fell on thistles and bushes and, and, uh, and, and then never made any growth and the other fell on good ground. I don't know what you really consider yourself or not, but let me just remind you, you are 
you're dirt. I had to check myself there. We're made from the dust of the earth. And God puts a seed in this hunk of clay and it's supposed to produce something. I'm telling you today, it ought to produce a worship in God's house that will shake the foundations of hell. We're good ground. I said, we're good ground. Oh, hallelujah. Well, you may not feel like you're good ground, but let me tell you, if you have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you're a child of God. If you've been buried in the name of Jesus Christ, uh, you become a child of God. You rise to walk in newness of life, Romans said. There's something about the church uh, and the budding of the almond tree. We need to see it's our opportunity. It's our time right now in the great falling away, but the great outpouring of the Holy Ghost. We need an apostolic church uh, in every community in our city. Everywhere we go, we need an apostolic church that will stand for truth and righteousness and the word of God. Oh, hallelujah. So Ezekiel, in the third chapter, in the 33rd chapter, started talking about a watchman because when the Lord says, what do you see? You need to be ready to answer that. 36 times in the Old Testament alone does it talk about seeing and what do you see and seest thou and, and, and what are you looking for? We need to be attuned to what's happening around us. And so he said, I, I want to talk to you watchmen. And he said, watchmen, what are the night? What are the night? There's a darkness coming upon our world, the prophecy said, and gross darkness, the people. Darkness and gross darkness, the people. And I mentioned that before, but let's, let, me, let me mention it again. The word gross has become a very interesting part of our vernacular today and our conversation, especially among young people. Oh, that's gross. Well, whatever is gross, he said gross darkness. It's gross our world is gross darkness. What do you see in our world? Oh, I, I, I don't really care about what's happening. I, I come to church because I love to hear the music and the worship. Uh, others come and say, I love to hear the preaching. Others come because I have a need. Others come because I'm helping somebody that has a need. What do you see today? What do you see? Watchmen, what of the night? You see, the watchmen would sit on the top of the towers the city, the walled cities, uh, and they would watch constantly. During the day, you know what they watched for? They watched for dirt. They watched for dust boiling. Because when dust was boiling way out there in the distance, it could be a windstorm or it could be an army approaching. And the watchman was supposed to look out there and see, okay, there's dust boiling out there. What's happening? Well, Maybe a storm's coming. Send some runners and go check it out. And they come back and say, well, it's just boiling dust in the desert. But other times they would come back and say, I see an army approaching. I've seen enough dust bowls in our world. Traveling to Las Vegas this week, I passed through the area there where it's all desert and the wind was blowing and dust was blowing. You had to slow down to get past the dust. Uh, but there's other times that you look and what do you see? There's an army approaching. I just want to introduce to you today, and you know this, there are demons in our world. There are spiritual 
demons in our world. A third of the angels was cast out with the devil, and the devil is not omnipresent. Jesus Christ is omnipresent. He said, I'll be with you always, uh, even to the end of the world. Why do you feel down sometimes and you feel up sometimes? Because demons can't be with you all the time. In the good times, you need to secure yourself. And in the bad times, you need to secure yourself. When the dust is boiling and armies are approaching and the enemy of our soul and the enemy of truth and the enemy of righteousness is approaching, we need to face it with everything we have and say, hey, we are the church of Jesus Christ. This is not founded by man. It doesn't follow man's dogmas. We follow the word of God. This church belongs to Jesus. Hallelujah. It's not my church. It's not Brother Bradford's church. It's God's church. Hallelujah. You're not my children. You're God's children. Oh, hallelujah. I like to preach to you today. We're at the very time when the budding of the almond tree is upon us. And we need to be able to see into the future just long enough to know that springtime is coming. It's been rough on some of you. You've been through the trials of your life. But rise above it, church. There's coming a rewarding, refreshing from Jesus Christ. There's a renewal coming. There's the the budding of the alm tree. It's bringing to us a prediction that things are going to be better and things are going to be powerful. Not so much in the church, but in the grove, in the orchard, where there's good ground, where seed can be planted. Not every place is almond tree, and not every place has seed placed in the ground and growing into a bumper crock. But there is a beautiful, beautiful work of Calvary that's being done in our world. And I want this church to be a birthing station for all who want to be born again. I want Mother to be strong. I want the church to be powerful. I want the church to be able to bring to birth and bring to bear in this last day. We're living in church, and I'm telling you, while churches are closing and churches are losing, we're gaining ground and putting preachers out. Oh, hallelujah. In fact, I got a call from David Webb this morning. They're moving their church to Santa Maria. Their first service is today. They have two families coming to their brand new church. I think it'd be good if we just lifted our hands and voiced it to God. God, touch that church today. Let the honor and the glory and the power of the almighty God as they open their doors today and be effective in a world. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. The almond tree is the first to flower. It's the first to show that winter is coming to an end. He said, what do you see? A rod of an almond tree. I don't need to go into the Greek, but you can go into the Greek and it'll tell you the same thing I'm telling you. I know Greek very well. It's all Greek to me. But it just simply means an awakening, an awakening. When you see the rod of an almond tree and it begins to bud, it's the awakening time. It blossoms in January when other trees are still locked up in their cold winter dormant sleepy stage. 
And I can tell you that in our world today, there is a sleepiness uh, even in some churches. Uh, it has become more social and more entertainment uh, than it is church. I thank God that during a service, every service, uh, there are times when people move out of their pews. It's not an altar call, as a professional would say, an altar call at the end of the service, but it's an altar call when people say, I recognize the time that we're living, and I need to be close to the altar. I need to be close where there's something happening. I need to be in the will of God. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. So it's, a, it's just a symbol in the scripture that promises victory and also a threatening of judgment with the seething pot. Number 17 in verse number 1, the Lord speaks to Moses and he said, I want you to bring forth a rod out of every tribe. And a man that's going to follow me is going to bring a rod and you're going to see the rod that buds is the man that I want to lead Israel. It became a testimony to each one of them. And when they placed their rods in the tabernacle, Aaron's rod was the rod that budded. That's why it was placed in the Ark of the Covenant as a memorial to all of Israel. It was, a, it was to be kept as a token against the rebels. When they, when they knew that there was a rod that budded and it was placed in the mercy seat. Now let me just briefly go back to the tabernacle. In the tabernacle you had an altar of burnt sacrifices. That's repentance. You had a labor of washing. That's baptism. And the scripture said to Moses, you better wash unless you die. Baptism is important. And the next was a, a, a little, little altar of, of, of destruction and construction of prayer. And then you enter into the, the tabernacle proper. And on one side you have the showbread. On the other side you have a candlestick. And then you have an altar of incense, which is a continual burning prayer that went up to heaven. And then there was a big shroud that covered the mercy seat. And you went on to, into the mercy seat. And inside the mercy seat was that those three components. And I want to talk about these three components. One was Aaron's bud rod that had budded. Now, when you, when you go back a little bit and understand the rod, they, when they were in Pharaoh's house, they all had a rod and they threw their rods down. Remember that? And they turned into serpents. And the, the magicians could do the same thing. Don't be so surprised at our world that they kind of function like we do. They have a building. They have music. They have preaching and teaching sometimes. But there's something lacking. There's a foresight. There is a prophecy effect. There's a looking forward to the coming of the Lord. It's not just about this property. And I thank God for this property. I thank God for what he's given to us. Faithful people, you can see where your money goes. But not everybody can see that. So the rod was placed in that secret place. And it was in the mercy seat. And so it was to be kept as a token against the rebels. In other words... There was something there that anytime somebody rebelled against Israel, they had a reminder that there was a leader that was going to look into the future and say it's time to conquer the promised land. It's not a time to back away from worship. It's not a time to back away from truth. 
It's not a time to back away from holiness. It's not a time to back away from the word of God. It's a time that we should recognize the budding of the almond tree. It's telling us uh, there's a good time coming. At the same time, there's a good time coming. There's a seething pot of, of destruction and, and judgment upon the world. And let me just give you some hope, church, if you'll stay in the church. And I'm not talking about this building. This building is just a building, and it doesn't mean a thing to us if we're not in this building. There's buildings all over the country, and there's buildings that are more beautiful than this building. And it's just a building. But we, when we inhabit this building, oh, hallelujah, when we are in this building, we are the family of Almighty God. And this becomes the church of Jesus Christ, and we make this building what it is. A building's going to pass away, and all that's in it is going to be consumed by fire. But not the church. We're getting out of here, and we're looking forward to the coming of the Lord. And I'm trying to tell you today that the budding of the almond tree is, uh, you can see it. Things are starting to happen, and the judgment of God is starting to fall in some areas. Uh, I'm telling you, stay in the church. Stand for truth. Let God take care of us. He said, and the Lord said unto Moses, bring Aaron's rod again before the testimony to be kept for a token against the rebels. I want to preach to you for just a minute. There should be something in this place right here that when we see things happening in our world, we don't follow that trend. Well, they say that you can't say the word Jesus. Well, when you walk down the street, you ought to see a saint of God and say, praise God, how you doing? Well, that went over like a flock of dogs. You need to be able to say the name Jesus. It doesn't matter whether they say you can't say it. It's kind of like Christmas, you know. I wasn't real excited about Christmas because that's really not the day Jesus was born. And they made so much commercialized effect out of it, took it away from the meaning, and then they started taking away the word Christmas. Well, now I kind of like saying Christmas, just to make them mad. Those New York merchants, this is the only time that they mention Jesus. And they sing their song, marching around their idol, saying, what a friend we have in Jesus. And they no more, no more believe in Jesus than an atheist does. We do, though. I think there ought to be a shout of victory. We believe who Jesus is, and we believe he's our soon-coming king. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody ought to shout with me. We're the church of Jesus Christ, and I'm seeing the buds on the almond tree. I see that winter is past, and it's time for victory. It's time for revival. It's time for overcoming power. It's time for healing. It's time for deliverance. It's time for people to walk through those doors and feel the power of God. Not the influence of, of entertainment and not the, the well-spoken words of an orator. We need some anointed preaching that will convict the sinner's heart and make them come ready to the house of God. Some of the old-time preachers preach tales so hot that they say, the congregants in the church say, they lifted their feet off the floor because it was feeling the pressures of hell burning at their feet. I wish some fiery preacher would come along and fire us up. It's time to get excited about living for Jesus. It's time to get excited about going to church. Why does the world have more pull on us than God does? 
We go to a stadium and we're shouting, we're jumping over one another, spilling our Cokes and our beer on everybody else. They do it. And then they, they come to church, they want to fold their hands and sit down. You know what? Go ahead and shout once in a while. Go ahead and lift your voice to Jesus once in a while. I'm not ashamed to tell people that we're a demonstrative church. I'm not afraid to tell people that we believe in worship. I'm not afraid to tell people that we believe in preaching. Let the preacher get red-faced if he wants to, but preach the Word of God. Don't back away because the world is backing away, but stand in this evil time and recognize, hey, we're not going to be here forever. If you get in the church today, you may not have to live for God very long at all because Jesus is coming. Why do we play church? Why do we play with our salvation? Let God know that I'm in this for eternity. I'm here to stay no matter what the devil does, no matter what the world does, no matter what politics. I'm here to stay. I'm living for Jesus. Come on, make up your mind. I'm living for Jesus. Come on, make up your mind. I'm going to live for him with everything that's in me. Well, hallelujah. Well, hallelujah. Oh, I feel the touch of the Holy Ghost in this house today. I feel victory in the house of God today. We're seeing things the world doesn't see. We're seeing things the world cannot understand. We're walking with Jesus because he's given us an understanding of the times we live in. And we're going to be a Christian no matter what. So, going back to the Ark of the Covenant. They preserved three great miracles in the Ark of the Covenant representing their travels in the wilderness. One was the tables of stone. That's right, shout, child. If older people won't shout, you shout. You learn to shout. I like the cry of babies in church. You know, if the Lord tarries, I'm going to be gone in a few days. Went out to the graveyard the other day with a banana peel and it didn't work, so I'm still here. But we're not going to be here forever, older saints. Listen to me. Unless Jesus comes, and I pray Jesus comes, and there needs to be a church that we plant a seed in, that it will grow into a functioning, flowering, beautiful tree that brings forth fruit in its season. Hallelujah. I didn't talk about seasons, but I can just briefly. There's all kinds of seasons in the year, that, but, and they're not always in the harvest time. There's some cultivation, some preaching, and trying to get people to live right. And then there's a big harvest. I really believe I'm saying this and preaching this way today because I feel in my spirit that we're on the brink of a great harvest. I see the budding of the almond tree. So the three things, the tables of stone. Now, the sad thing about the tables of stone was it was not the original. The original was broken into little stones. Oh, if I could find one of those stones today. It was carved by the finger of God. I don't care what the skeptics say. It was carved by the finger of God. Oh, yeah, I know some of you believe it. The world down below where they were not supposed to go close to the mountain, they were led into idolatrous worship. They took all the jewelry from the people and made a golden calf. And they started worshiping the golden calf because Moses was gone 40 days in the presence of God. 
and God was carving out the Ten Commandments on a stone. And when Moses came down and saw them worshiping a golden calf, he took all that gold and ground it into powder and threw it into the river and told them to drink it. You know what he was telling them? You don't need gold on the outside, you need it on the inside. You need something on the inside that will last. And they were worshiping that golden calf. And that golden calf couldn't speak. That golden calf was made by them, formed by them. And it couldn't eat. It couldn't sleep. It couldn't pull a wagon if it wanted to. But I'm telling you, there is a God that can do it all for us. And we need to worship him with everything that's in us. Because he's alive and he's real. He's real. Church, if I can impress you today to understand Jesus is real. It's not a mockery. It's not a made-up thing. It's not a part of our imagination. He's real. I feel him in this place today because he's here. He's not a God of tomorrow. He's a God of today. He's not a God of yesterday. He's a God of today. He's not a God of the Old Testament. He's a God of the New Testament. He's not a God of the dead. He's a God of the living. He's a God that is alive. I I think we ought to pray to him. I think we ought to worship him. I think we ought to love him. And so Moses had to go back up to the mountain and God carved the stones again. This time he came down and they preserved them and put them in the mercy seat in the tabernacle. It was the most secure place. It was a place to keep what God had written. Now we are more like the Ark of the Covenant today because we have the word of God in our hearts but then there was the manna, the other miracle that God sustained them in the wilderness, even though they, they murmured and complained about it after a while, and, and, uh, but it was placed in there as a memorial. And then there was the Aaron's rod that budded, showing God knows how to choose the ministry. I don't want to get off on this part of the, our church government, but we have three external directors of our church as well as our church board. Our church board holds all of this property in, uh, in their care. They, they, we couldn't sell this piece of property, Brother Bradford or I could not sell this piece of property if we wanted to. So the church board takes care of the physical things and understands they are trustees for that. But then we have an external board where we have three pastors. So if I and Brother Bradford in our travels was in the same car and, uh, and some, somebody took us out and we went to heaven, then, then this external board gets with our church board because they know preachers and our church board knows our, our church. And they get together and they work on bringing to you a new minister. So thank God for that. That's just part of our church government. But the main thing that I want to leave with you is Aaron's rod was put in there to let the people know that God had chosen uh, him to lead Israel and work with Israel. And so it was placed in there. The end time prophecies, and I've got to hurry, the end time prophecies are budding all around us. We need to recognize every prophecy in our world is coming to pass in your lifetime. In your lifetime. Never has prophecy been more real than the day that we live in today. It's happening all around us. Uh, there are signs that our world is crumbling and failing, but there's also signs of revival. Oh, hallelujah. There's signs of people that are saying, oh, no, I'm digging in. I'm not giving up. 
I'm standing, I'm not falling. I'm worshiping, I'm not being silent. I'm living for Jesus, uh, and I'm letting the world go its way, but I'm going to live for Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. The end time prophecies are budding all around us. Uh, and the almond tree, what do you see, preacher? I see prophecies being fulfilled. What do you see, preacher? I see the end of the world coming. Uh, what do you see, preacher? I see uh, falling away. I see people that don't care about coming to church. Uh, and sometimes when they come to church, they sit and they won't worship. Church, let me just tell you. Somebody told me one time, said, I don't like to go to a church and see the front pews worshiping and everybody in the back not worshiping. I said, well, you ought to see our church. When our church worships in the back, sometimes it starts in the back and moves to the front. Sometimes it goes to the front and moves to the back. We worship in this every pew. Every pew is represented by the presence of God. We are not a front church pew. We're not a back church pew. Nothing wrong with those of you in the back. Hello. How you doing back there? Worship Jesus. Be the first to lift your hands and thank God for victory. Be the first to overcome the world. This is a church that's victorious. This is a church that's overcoming. This is a church that's looking for the coming of the Lord. This is a church that's seeing the budding of the almond tree. Hard times are past for some of you. I just want to preach to you. Hard times are past for some of you. You've been through it. Get your head up. I'm telling you. I'm seeing the budding of the almond tree. I'm seeing winter's over for you. And spring to... One, one of the prophecies I like to use because it's so fitting today is Daniel chapter 12, verse number 1. And he said, at that time, speaking of the end time, some things that Daniel saw, the Lord told Daniel, seal that up because it's for the last time. That's for the end time. That's for other peoples. Well, I believe we're there. And then he closes out the last chapter of Daniel. He says, at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people. <laughs> Thank God there's somebody that's greater than me standing for us. When Joshua was going to battle, he was stopped in the canyon by a stranger. And he said, are you for us or are you against us? He said, I'm the captain of the Lord's host. I came to lead you to victory. You know, you know somebody was asking me about angels the other day. There, there's all kinds, of, my, my, my. There's all kinds of angels. You know, a third of them were kicked out of heaven, so you got to be careful how you entertain strangers, lest you entertain angels unawares. There are angels that are loose in our world. But we have angels protecting us. The angels of the Lord encamp around them that believe in Jesus. Scripture! Oh, yes! The angels of hell don't encamp around you to protect you. They lead you into despair. Don't follow the angels of despair. Follow the angels of God. I got to tell you this, and I told you this one time, I think, that when I was pastoring in Arizona, a lady was sitting in McDonald's talking to a relative and explaining to them the book of Acts and that it should be a lively book for us today and we should live the book of Acts and all the conversions that are in the book of Acts. And she was talking to her relative, and in one door of the, the McDonald's came... A man dressed kind of nice walked straight over to their table and told the lady she is talking to, said, you need to believe this, what this lady is telling you. You need to obey it. And turned around, walked out the other door. They got up to go to find out who he was, and he was gone. She called me and said, Would that, was that an angel? I said, I don't know. I wasn't there, but it sounds like it. 
Now, you may not believe in angels, but my Bible said the angels of the Lord encamp around him that fear him. I believe there are angels that protect us. There are angels that are around us. There, I do believe in angels. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I married one. Some of you might have married one. One of the third that got kicked out of heaven. Just kidding. Turn to your neighbor and say, I married an angel. No, wait a minute. Wait, wait, don't do that. You might not be by somebody. Don't say it. Just say it in your heart. Just say it in your heart. So Michael's going to stand up. The great prince would stand for the children of thy people. I really believe that we are protected and guided by angels. I really believe that. The scripture said at the time, that time, in that time, shall Michael stand up, that great prince uh, that standeth for the children of thy people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation. Tell me the last few weeks has not been troubling in our world. Every nation is shaking in their boots, not knowing what's going on. Iran was so scared, they didn't know what was going to happen, and they failed to shut off some of their automatic systems, uh, and 176 people died because a foolish nation didn't know what to do. And yet part of our world wants to let them have an atomic bomb. What would happen if they just, just carelessly didn't know how to shut off the little black box and set off an atomic bomb? I, I kind of believe in some of our politicians that don't want some people in our world to have atomic bombs, but there's other people who say, who cares? And there might be a little thing in me that says, you know what? If they blow the world up, come Lord Jesus, because I'm not going to be troubled by it. But there's going to be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, even to that same time. And at that time, thy people shall be delivered. Everyone that shall be found written in the book. Oh. Oh. Verse 2. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake some to everlasting life. I could stop there. That's the budding of the almond tree. But the seething pot was and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Oh, if I could preach to you, and I've got to close, the musicians come, but if I could preach to you the next, next few moments of this morning today, we need to wake up and recognize it's time to see the rod of the almond tree, the first thing to bring hope, the first thing to let them know that winter was over. I think we as a church need to have great hope today that we're seeing the signs of the coming of the Lord. And there's great hope, some to everlasting life. I wish I knew how to preach it to fire you up. This is the church of the everlasting life. Oh, hallelujah. We're not children of contempt. We're not children of destruction. He's going to take us out of here because we are waking up. I said we are waking up. We are seeing things that are happening around us. And we're knowing that time is short. And we're going to live for God. i got to take you to the book of Romans chapter 13, verse number 11. And knowing and that knowing the time and that 
knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed it's not a time to quit church it's not a time to back up it's not a time to backslide it's a time to get fired up it's a time to wake out of our sleep what do you see preacher I see the budding of the almond tree I see a church that's waking up I see a church that's coming alive I see I see a church that recognizes we're in the end time. And it's time to have church like we've never had church before. It's time to have altar calls like we've never had altar calls before. It's time to have revival like we've never had revival. It's time to be excited about going to the house of God. It's time to live for Jesus with everything in our heart. It's time to let the man of God preach to us and give us deliverance. It's time to lift our hands with joy and victory. It's time to open our mouth with praise and honor. It's time to open our heart to obedience to the word of God. I see the budding of the almond tree. Oh, hallelujah. I see a church that's waking for revival. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I feel the presence of Almighty God. And that knowing the time that is now high time to wake out of the sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. Oh, that's a whole message in itself. That's a whole message in itself. It's time to cast off. Cast off. Get rid of the things of the world. It's time to become Christian like you've never been Christian. Cast off the works of darkness. And let us put on. You know, everything that God takes away from you, he gives you something back. All he takes away from you is things that's harming your health, your mental attitude, and all that goes with life. But he gives you more back. He gives you life and that more abundantly. <laughs> so when you cast off something, you say, okay, I'm not going to do that because I see we're at the end of the world. I'm not going to go there because I see we're at the end of the world. God will give you a church uh, that you can have more excitement uh, than a ball game. I guess you're through. Let's sing. You, Lord, you are worthy. Pray for you. 